Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Hello, I'm Carl McKeever, and welcome to the latest in the interview series from the Retail Exchange Podcast, as we bring you insight and opinion from premier retail industry professionals and thought leaders. My guest today is Isabel Aberman, who is Global Retail Director for iconic footwear brand Camper. Founded on the small Spanish island of Mallorca in 1975, Camper is a family business with a rich shoemaking heritage that it uses to create unique designs that continue to enjoy global appeal. Responsible for leading the global retail strategy across more than 350 stores in over 20 countries, Isabel started her career with Camper 22 years ago in the UK as a retail area manager soon becoming a retail regional manager before heading up retail marketing and retail expansion and eventually moving into her current role. Passionate about retail in all its forms, she joins me to discuss Camper's unique approach to retail design, share the inside story of Camper Lab and Recamper, and to look ahead to what the future of retail holds for us all. Here's the episode. It's great to have you here on the Retail Exchange podcast. For those people who are unfamiliar with Camper Shoes, and I must say anyone who is not already wearing them really needs to listen up fast. Tell us about the brand. So Camper uh, is an amazing brand. It's a family business still, which is, uh, you know, great. Uh, the, the family has been making shoes for over 140 years. So there's a, a very strong craftsmanship in the company, you know, knowledge and know-how, which is pretty amazing because it goes through everything that we do in the company. The story of the company is real and we have very strong values that have been there for a long time. The brand Camper was born in 1975. At the time, it was wholesale mainly, but the brand had so many stories to tell about the product, about, you know, the way of seeing life and everything. They decided we need to open a store. So in 1981, we opened the first store in Barcelona. And since then, you know, expanding. The first store outside of Spain was opened in 1992 in Paris, and then London, Milan, and then so on. And then uh, we had the Japanese falling in love with the Pelotas, one of the most iconic products from the brand. And then suddenly the expansion went even further in that sense, uh, opening everywhere in the US, in Asia, and all around the world. So today we have 350 stores operating in over 20 countries. Then of course we have wholesale all over the world, operating in more than 40 countries. Uh, and of course digital since uh, 2010, growing uh, year on year. So. And unlike um, many fashion brands, you, you weren't originally based in a, a big a, a sort of European capital city, were you? No. The family is from Mallorca. We we operate from Mallorca. Uh, we are uh, very proud, uh, you know, being there to be a small company, being global and, and and working. We say that we are based in Inca, which is the center of the island. We we are based in Inca, but we work globally. We are everywhere, so uh, it's pretty amazing. And I've seen well, I've been. 20 years in the over 20 years in the company. I've seen the change in Mallorca. Mallorca was very full of Mallorcans, of course, uh, not that, you know, cosmopolitan, a lot of tourism, but not people living there. But today we have a direct flight to New York. So it has become a center, you know, in Europe for a lot of things. And the, the great thing is that Kemper was always very strong about keeping head office, you know, being from there and being very proud of 
being from Mallorca, from the Mediterranean, and, and so it's very important to us. I, I tend to think of campus shoes as always having sunshine baked into every pair. Yes. Uh, there's something <laughs> that, that that comfort and that sunny feeling always seems to come through. For me, one of the things I'm quite interested in is your approach to retail design. Many stores globally think that the way to go is to have uh, one concept, which is then rolled out like a cookie cutter. And you know, you see the same store with the same furniture and the same expression of the brand in every location. Camper took a very different path. Tell us about that and why. So first of all, retail uh, and our stores, they are a pillar for the brand. So they are what makes Kemper today in terms, of course, on top of the product, but they are what makes, it's the connection place with consumers. It's where we, it's the space where we can tell whatever we have to tell. So the approach to design was, you've seen our shoes. They're very different. Colors, shapes, you know, comfort, everything. We needed to, to really relate that into our stores. And Kemper has always been very connected to design, architecture, you know, uh, industrial design. So uh, it was very important to bring that to the space. So our strategy was, and still is, to have different stores everywhere to think how we want to approach this place in that street. You know, how do we want our consumers? What do we want to tell? Um, so of course, the strategy has changed over the years. Uh, we used to have to use, I don't know, Japanese industrial designer to uh, design a store for Barcelona and it worked, it was amazing. Now lately, we're working more with designers from the city or the place or the country. So it's kind of great to link the city heritage into what we're going to do in the store. But still always creating unique stores yes. and with a sense of curiosity for yes. the consumer. With not only the design itself, but also the materials that we use, it's everything. Like every part and every bit of the store needs to tell something. It's quite tactile, I think, isn't yes. it, your stores? Yeah. Camper Lab, what is it? Okay. What do we need to know? So Camper Lab is a brand now uh, in, within Camper. It's a product range. Uh, it was stores, but we have evolved this concept a little bit now. These are, I would say, our most design and fashion forward products that we have in the, in the collection. They are very unique. It's a different price range. They are the ones that, you know, play, I would say, a bigger role on, you know, the fashion week scene uh, and these kind of events. They are the, our creative director, what he's really into on top of the collection, but this is really the essence of who he is. So it's, uh, it, I would say, we created Camper Lab to talk to a different audience as well and to bring new type of customers to our brand. I guess that because they're so eye-catching and they are you know, quite unusual as, yes. as designs, I guess you also get some good learnings from that though in terms of what is the consumer's appetite for new materials, new shapes, new colors, new trends. Yeah, totally. And you also learn that sometimes price is not everything because they have a different price point. They're, they're a bit higher in price than the rest of the collection. And you can see that when a product is liked by people, it doesn't matter how much it costs. And, you know, I think we have in some of the lines in there the right balance between price, comfort, quality, difference, design. And, and you can test, as you said, new shapes and, and you can go further within, you know, product investigation, I would say. And it's uh, very interesting. I think innovation appears to be hardwired into the company's yes. DNA. Many brands are 
trying to achieve perhaps what you've been doing for years. But also brands are looking at how they create a seamless retail experience, something which you know, really flows without any points along that journey which you know, leave the customer unsatisfied. What's your perspective on seamless retail? To me, it's probably what a lot of brands would say, but it's customer-centric. Customer is in the middle of everything that we do. You know, it's so if, when you start from that point and you think, okay, no doesn't exist. It shouldn't be a response to any anything. Then everything becomes easier. So of course, there are a lot of things you need to tackle in that sense, but seamless experience is that a can, customer can find a product he or she wants at any time, anywhere. We know that consumers today, they browse online and then they go to the store and they try on and they buy. We know they go to the store, they try on and then they think about it and they buy online. That doesn't matter. You have to provide the right experience. You have to provide them with the right info about the product. You know, you have to share your, your knowledge. You have to provide them with the best service so they can find the shoe that they need. And we've been working on that for many years now. And it's, you know, it's proven to, to bring very good results in that sense. We can say we are a very omnichannel company. Uh, our staff uh, in the, the stores, they know about it. They ship to online consumers. They get the returns from online consumers, but they try to convert them into a new consumer, you know, like for something else and providing the right info or the right service to the customer. Every brand wants to get to know its customers better. What are some of the barriers that you might experience along the way? between that difference between retail customers and online customers, and how do you bring it all together? I don't think we differentiate them that much. You know, we have this CRM that we use. We make sure we get the emails from every customer so we can know what they purchase, when, how often, do they buy online, do they come to the store? You would be amazed to see that people buy everywhere. You know, you don't have the, this is my customer, this is yours, in the end, Many times, you know, maybe they, they start, they shop online one day because they saw an ad, and then after that, they decide to go and discover the brand and go to the store. So in that sense, we have the same, we do the same work online and offline to get as much info as we can from the customer, knowing that they are Kemper customers. Yeah. And, and from there, it's pretty easy then to have, it's the one customer, it's not a customer, you know, that's part of any channel. What's the key challenges between thinking about your retail customers versus your franchise customers and how you do business together? For me, they are the same customers. So my role, of course, is to have, you know, to provide a strategy to both our own retail and our franchises. When you operate through a third party, it's not easy because it's their shop, it's their staff, but in the end, they're operating your brand. So we make sure we give them all the tools and support and we are there with them to make sure that, you know, given the fact that probably some processes will not be the same, but we make sure that we find a solution that will be the closest to the way we do things in our own stores. And, and that's interesting for me because some brands really have quite a different relationship with their franchise partners. But really what you're saying is you try to create a sense where everybody is still part of the same family. Yes, totally. And I think that's fair to the consumers because in the end, they don't have to know this is a franchise store. They want you know, to get our product, to get to know our brand, you know, to interact with Kemper. doesn't matter if it's a franchise or an own store. And it's been okay. I mean, we've been working very well. We have you know, countries where we have 50 stores with a franchise, master franchisee. And, and you know, the relationship with them is very important. And providing them with the tools and supporting them, being there you know, with them, 
making sure that they have all the needs. And then, of course, I don't like the word the word controlling because it's not about controlling, but making sure that they feel they are being supported by us. And what would you say are some of the benefits that you as a brand ultimately get from operating this kind of dual model where you have some company stores under your control, but you also have franchisees who are brand partners? What are the real benefits, I guess, of having that kind of almost that dual existence? You know, it's mainly we have franchises in countries where we don't operate uh, directly. And, you know, countries in Asia like Japan, South Korea, where you have strong retailers managing different brands and going direct for us is very difficult because culturally, language, getting the right contacts in department stores, shopping malls, negotiating rents, you know, everything, it's not easy. And it's easier, you know, to get like a strong partner that who loves your brand and would like to work with you and, and having the proper retail in there. So I guess you're also going to learn so much more back in return as well. Of course. Because if they have that very easy connection with landlords, with consumers, with other suppliers that may be involved in some of that process, you're going to find out more information, what works, what do you need to do differently so you can be more successful. Yeah, that's why they're partners. You know, it happens sometimes that franchise partner decides that they want to move on or we decide it's not working for the brand anymore. And uh, in some cases, we took over and directly. So it happened in Turkey, in Russia, which is close today, uh, but even in Hong Kong. So sometimes it's good because we can build a business over there. And then if one day anything happens, we are ready to take over. Many brands talk about purposeful retail. Yes. Um, why does this matter to Kemper? It's very important, I think. We see ourselves as a brand that was making the first sustainable shoe. Before even Kemper, you know, the family, the first shoes in Mallorca, they were made of rug and, you know, uh, rubber. So it was the first reusing materials. So it's been in our DNA for many years. Uh, the way we approach store design is the same. It's how do you make sure that you use humble materials long term, you know, you have a long term vision on how you do things. Same with our products, constantly uh, investigating and making sure that we have home free products, that we can recycle our products and so on and so on. I think even your packaging, so for as long as I've known the brand, yeah. has been fully recyclable. Exactly. So it's been in our DNA. We've been working on that for many years. Kemper got B Corp certified last year. so. It's amazing for us. It's something the company really wanted. Now we're going for the next level with B Corp. So it's really in the heart of everything that we do. But how easy was that journey to become B Corp certified? I know it's something which many brands have aspirations for, but you know, it's a tough ask because you know, there are some very strict standards and the process is long and difficult, I understand. It's hard, but it's worth it. And when the company has the vision, then of course, you have to transform the way you deal with all these points within the company. Because B Corp is not only about sustainable products, it's about how you, your corporate uh, governance, it's about, it's about everything, really. So we had to change a few things, which benefited our staff, for instance, or our staff in, in HQ or everywhere. We've been working with our providers, because it's not only you, it's who you work with. And then so it's kind of the impact is having on more companies. And, and was this really almost the, the natural evolution of your previously personally held brand values and how you did business? B Corp became almost the way to you know, really demonstrate that commitment. Exactly. And 
probably raising the standards a little bit, which is very good for every company, including Kemper. And do you think there's evidence that more consumers are looking for brands which have got this kind of certification? Because they place more trust then in the fact that that brand is operating with high integrity and good responsibility. Yes, for sure. We, we believe it's, um, it's something that Kemper wanted to do for Kemper, but we know that our consumers are really, really happy about it, that they value this a lot, and we know this is, you know, it's good, it's bringing a more sustainable business to us, which is where we wanted to go. And I think part of these efforts in sustainability, you have a program called Recamper. Yes. Tell me about Recamper, please. So Recamper is not new. It, it's giving a name to something that we've been doing in the past, but also embracing many parts within the project. So it started before with our outlet stores, which we opened at the time to give the second life to the products we didn't sell. Okay, sometimes it was second quality shoes that were good, you know, to sell, but you couldn't sell in a normal campus store or, you know, leftovers from collections. And we never wanted to send these shoes uh, to get burned in the landfill or anything. But now we decided, okay, let's kind of put everything together because there's a lot to say. So we, we launched a few years back, two years ago, we launched this Second Life program, which I would say that was the pre-recamper, where we invited our consumers, you know, to bring their shoes back to our stores and we would organize the recycling. Sometimes if the shoes are good enough, we would donate them to charity or even sometimes we could just fix them and sell them again at a different price for and a different type of customer. And does the consumer also benefit in this? Is there anything you give them points or vouchers or money off? Yeah, or? we give them a voucher to incentivize the fact they would bring the shoes to us and not throw them away because you know how many pairs end up in the landfill every year it's crazy and it's really bad for the environment so um, we incentivize them with a voucher that they can use on a new pair of shoes. So this is a great example of a brand introducing circularity in a very yes. easy way. Yeah 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 totally. Uh, so this is on and working of course now we trying to evolve this to make it even stronger we're going to open a few, we call them experiential spaces in four stores to start and pilot and test. Basically, we want people to come to these spaces to bring their shoes back, but we also want them to bring their shoes so we can repair them. Because we want our teams to do two things. One is assist customers into providing the right uh, answer to their needs in terms of what do I do with this? Okay, we can recycle it for you, but look, we can fix it. We can fix it so you can wear it longer. And then the other thing is, we, we, I think our role is to educate customers. And for us, the best sustainable product is the one that you keep for a long time, that you take care of, and then you can really use. And, you know, Kemper is very good for its quality, its comfort. So we have, you know, we have no doubt on the guarantees that we give on the product. But our teams now really make sure that explain to the customers how to take care of the product. We even have this program where people can come to the stores and we clean the shoes for them. You know, we provide these kind of services. Uh, it's been working well. And in these exploration spaces, we're going to do it in front of the customer. So it's even more, it's going to be even more interesting. We want them to really go to the camper store to live this experience and to be part of this recamper, you know, circuit. It sounds with all of these different initiatives that you have that the, the demands on your store team colleagues must have, you know, grown and grown and grown. Yes. No longer they're just selling shoes and getting people to have a good fit and a good experience before they check out. Now your store team colleagues are having to be an expert in many more areas. What are you doing to support the store teams? You know, they are key to the success of the brand. They're very important to us. I have to say it's not been easy because there is a lot of stuff turnover. It's after pandemic, you know, it's been growing in every market. 
Um, so we work a lot on training and developing them, giving them the tools. We also believe that it's a good thing that they have more things to do than just selling. You know, it's their role is, is amplified. They're, they're empowered to do more things. They're not only doing all these services, you know, they provide service to online. We ship from the stores. We, we were shipping before even COVID. So it's something, it's, it's, they know how to do it. And it's, it's another task. Uh, we are away from the, it's my shoe and it's my stock. This is gone now, this kind of conversation. So I guess it makes their job even more interesting. It's more interesting. And, you know, even we gave them the power to be at the center of the customer relationship. So, you know, they deal with the Google profiles, they chat with customers, they reply to all the reviews, they make sure customers come, to, it's their responsibility. Before it was not their responsibility. So they feel, you know, it's compared probably to other brands when they start working with us, at the beginning they're like, oh, there are a lot of things to learn. But then they're like, it's great, I can do a lot of things. And, and not only this, it's we're trying to show them that you can grow in retail. It's not only, you know, so, by doing more things, we can see where your talent is. And yeah. then maybe, you know, you can grow in retail, you can become, you know, store manager, maybe an area manager, but you can you can also move to, to HQ. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you can you can do vision merchandising position, you can be in operations. And I love having people from the teams grow to HQ. Yeah, because I'm sure. they bring so much knowledge, so much info, so much so many values in how we do things that it's, it's bringing a lot of benefits to, to, to the company and to HQ. And it's great to be able to have that kind of internal promotion option. And, and of course, you're retaining people in the brand, you're retaining the knowledge and the experience that they've got within the brand, and you're giving them new opportunities. You know, retention is one of our main, at least for retail, it's one of our main headaches. And I think it's really, we, we are very keen on transparency, um, we really want them to see that they can grow, that retail is an amazing department, you know, to grow in, that you can do a lot of things, that, you know, we value them a lot and we spend a lot of time on training, developing them, even advancing a little bit now, you know, like people, they want things to happen quickly. So sometimes it's not easy, but we're like, okay, you know, we give you the chance and then we'll see and it's working. In discussion with other brands, it seems very clear now that um, when people join a retail company, it's not just about the package, it's not about the salary, how many days holiday, uh, you know, what level of discount. They're looking for opportunities to grow. Yeah, I think, I think it's still a bit of both. Um, you know, like, of course, salary is important, and right now with the shortage of staff that we see in the industry, you know, if they pay 50 years more, the next, they're gonna go. Okay, this is, I mean, in the end, they work for money. Having said that, what you give on top of that is what's going to make the difference. So, you know, we change a few things in our company in terms of commission systems, so they feel very valued if they sell a lot and they can really shine. Um, um, but then, as I said before, we invest a lot in training them, developing them. You know, we work, we do these talent maps to make sure that, you know, and that they see it, that they know where they are and we, we show them the way, like, you know, you can grow to that, you can do that, you know, we can, we're here to help you. Um, then, of course, you have all the benefits, which to me, of course, we have the global ones, but it's something that I like to work on a market basis because what works in France probably will not work in the US. One of the challenges for brands who start small and then grow to a global footprint is how you keep that brand magic alive. You know, how do you keep your Mallorcan spirit to the forefront of colleagues' minds who are many, many miles away in different countries and disconnected from the roots? It goes first through the products, you know, that we design. And then 
how we train, how we do things with our staff everywhere. You know, we're very consistent with our values, with our mission, with where we want to go. Uh, very consistent in everything that we do. And it works also with our communication globally. So I think the more you're aligned, you know, between departments, between channels, between how you do things, and we in, in HQ, we are working like this. And it's, it's giving good results in the sense that you go to New York or you go to Australia, which is on the other side for us, you know, you could make a home through Earth and you would get to Australia or New Zealand somewhere from Mallorca. So, you know, it's pretty amazing that sometimes you go to even to a partner like in Japan and you see in their stores and they're the right ambassadors. You, you've been in the brand for about 20 years. How has life changed within Camper and specifically for you? It's a very good question. So I've been in the company nearly 23 years. Uh, I don't like the word, but I started in the brand as maybe by accident, I would say. Uh, you know, like I wanted to improve my English and I went to London and I started working in a store. And then I loved it. You know, my dad was like, what are you doing? You know, you've been studying to enter the United Nations and now you're working and you sell shoes. And I was like, but it's fun, you know, and it's great. And probably I had the right attitude at the time, so I grew very quickly. Uh, and I studied my master at night, you know, and everything. So that, it was great. I mean, I was young. It was amazing, you know, like... Um, at the time, we didn't have computers in the stores. I was... Uh, th to reorder products, I had to send a fax written by hand. So that was how it all started. And then today, you know, everything is connected and we have a lot of systems and we have a lot of tools. And it, so it has changed completely. What hasn't changed, I think, is... The view consumers, I mean, the eyes of consumers, new consumers getting in our stores and discovering the brand and being like, wow, what, you know, like, tell me more about this. This hasn't changed. And for myself, I've been lucky enough, I think, to be working in the market in different countries, leading the stores. You know, even in, in Japan, I've been there for two years to move to head office. And, and I've been, you know, in different positions, always linked to retail, from expansion to retail marketing to operations and so on. And... You know, I don't know. I think, to me, 23 years have gone very quickly. I look behind, I'm like, oh my God, it's already 23 years. And it's been going very fast. I love what I do. I love retail. It's bringing, you know, I mean, I grow every day, you know, with what I do and being in contact with so many people and consumers and everything. Thinking about all the things that you've done, are there any moments where things didn't go to plan or you think, oh, I wish I had done that differently or I wish I'd been involved in a decision here that we could have changed the outcome? Yes, many times. Many times you feel that, you know, you're ready to implement something, but it's probably too early for the company. Then it happens two or three years later, you're like, yeah, see. But maybe looking back now, I'm like, yeah, maybe it was the right time anyway, because we were not ready. You know, maybe you have those great ideas, but you need to find the right technology or the right processes or the right teams to implement. So, yeah, sometimes, I mean, this is retail. It's changing very fast. So we try to be one step ahead every time. You have to be one step ahead. If not, you know, you die in the process. And you have to be very flexible. That's the other thing. And thinking about the job today, what are some of the biggest challenges right now? I think in the conversation you've already suggested that, you know, maybe the labor market is difficult and finding the right talent, keeping that talent is one of the big challenges. But what else is on your agenda? I would say the main one is people. This is for sure. Then the second thing is, how can we find the right technology to support our teams? How can we make their life easier so they focus on our customers? 
And that's, you know, and as I said, it's changing ever, very quickly. But once you find the right tool and you can take a little bit of the burden off them, because in the end, they are there. They are the ones on the field and we have to value what they do. So it's not only about the talent, which is one of my headaches, but it's also how can I make their life easier so they can do what they like, which is selling. My final question, what would be the advice you'd give to your younger self, you know, starting at Camper 23 years ago? What would you say, ah, oh, this, this would have helped? Many things. Uh, probably not to be scared to try things, you know, and fail. Don't be scared to fail. You know, it's, it's okay, it's part of the process. And sometimes when you start that young, I was young and I grew very quickly and I was leading a lot of teams and I was 25 years old. And, you know, in different cultures and it was amazing. But you, you feel like you, you have to be on top of everything. You feel like you can't make mistakes. But it's good to make mistakes on the way, you know, and, and you shouldn't be scared of that because if you're scared, you don't try new things and you don't advance in a lot of things. That probably, that what I would tell my younger self. So be brave, be bold be brave. And, and have confidence in yourself. Yes. It's been an absolute joy to talk together today, Isabel. Um, thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you. I've been in conversation with Isabel Aberman, who is the Global Retail Director for Camper. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you so much. A real pleasure. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate. Hashtag Retail Exchange. Thanks for listening.